And again, I know nothing about this, but I reckon you can never get enough forest in your life. No. Well, you know, I, I, the I, trees, I, I, the oxygen pumping I agree, through your lungs. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, it's what it's, life uh, is made for. Yes. <laughs> Salutations and welcome listeners one and all to the final episode of the first season of Passport People. I, as I have ever been, am your host Finn and today we are talking to lovely artist and person who has travelled three hours in order to be at this podcast recording, Ivor. How are you, Ivor? Hi Finn, I'm really well, thank you for having me here. <laughs> Somehow we got you here in a decent state. I'm not quite sure. You are you are a legend in passport people books. Let's start with you and who you are and what you want to tell us about you in whatever detail or lack of it. So my name is Iva. Um, I am artist, um, but I would more like uh, I would like to say that um, I'm a creative soul and uh, I really love creativity. I was born in Latvia, but I've been living in Scotland for more than eight years now, so I can I consider it to be my home. Um, I study at Glasgow School of Art. I uh, love both city and both nature, really like the duality of the world, and I think that in general it's about whole, not just separate things. Yeah, it's... It's balance. Balance. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, right, as someone who, you know, I think also considers myself an artist, I think it's very difficult to specifically say that you are an artist in a way, because it's like you have to be ready to do your art by basically living life and experiencing things. And so in a way, I guess we're all artists in some form or another. Yes. I you just make more, more of an effort to <laughs> put all that stuff onto well, into actual work. Well, I had to. I had to to be free. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned Latvia there. You mentioned Scotland there. You mentioned Glasgow there. Where Where do you consider yourself from in all of that? And I'm sorry because I know it's a silly question. <laughs> well, I kind of consider myself to be from this planet Earth in general because... Uh, it's where we come from, basically. I'll take I'll take a bit of that action. <laughs> um, and where are we going to talk about today? So we are going to talk about uh, Scotland, and uh, specifically a forest, uh, Daljorok near Girvan. first actually for us on the podcast because I think with a lot of the places we've talked about in this first series people know exactly where it is and what to expect but this place is actually so unique and isolated and apart from the world we actually had to look up how to spell it two minutes before actually recording this episode so for the sake of listeners any more specifics on where it is near Girvan? 
Yes, it's near Gervin. So you take uh, a train from uh, Glasgow Central to the uh, Gervin bus station, and then you just have to find your own way there. Well, if you know anyone there who is like uh, already like uh, staying there in the in Daljorok uh, forest, uh, then you can get a lift. You can also cycle there, but basically it's uh, kind of hidden in the middle of nowhere. However, if people are interested, uh, like they are very welcome to go there. So basically, you wouldn't know about this place unless you knew somebody who knew this yes, place. Yes. Yes. It almost feels like what the North Pole is. <laughs> no, no. We only know that Santa lives there because someone told us that someone told <laughs> them that that's where it is. But that's very special, actually. And I guess it's special in this world of sort of technology and having access to all this information that there is a place that actually is, is not so sort of obvious and open to everybody. But actually, you do need to do a bit of work in order to, to find that place yes i think um i think it's a more like word of mouth because there is quite a like a large community there who like uh, usually goes goes there like helps with uh, with the works or like uh, celebrate summer solstice winter solstice and uh, it's called wild woods collective so uh if you know someone and if you're really, really into the trees and into the forest and into the nature, so you are very welcome to go and see what's happening there. We will leave a link in the description and we will plug everything at the end so that people who care and are interested know exactly where to go. Um, an important question, why did you choose Dajarak? Because you, you had so many places you could have talked about today and this was ultimately the one that you went for. Well... As I said, I, I like since being like away from my from the country where I was born, um, and feeling kind of like mostly Scottish now. Um, I kind of like it would be really hard for me to talk about just Latvia because like I don't really visit like that often, and I don't really feel like it's my home. But um, but uh, speaking about Scotland, I have lived in Edinburgh more than five years, and now in Glasgow like uh, over three years and um, I kind of like what I what I wanted to talk about is uh, that is like really close to me like that I really feel like um, strongly about so I always feel very strongly about forests and I actually told you can I talk about forests and you say do you say have yes. a specific forest <laughs> and I was like actually I do so yeah here it is I should emphasize the listeners and again I'm, I'm peeking you behind the curtain now but when I do find the people who I want to interview for Passport People, I know that they have various places that they can talk about, but I never tell them you have to talk about this. I always say, hey, I'd like to interview for you for the podcast. You can pick exactly where you want to talk about. And this is a big risk from my end because I basically do not know what I'm going to get. <laughs> and so when Ivor came and said, well, it's the forest, I'm like, great, but can we put it into any sort of, you know, <laughs> specific context? And also, I guess it, it just it grounds people in terms of knowing where, you know, where we're specifically talking about, which is which is nice. Um, you've mentioned the country of your birth, Latvia, in which there are many beautiful, beautiful forests that anybody who goes there needs to check out because they are wonderful. Um, what was your relationship with forests as a kid, as a young adult, coming into the world? Well, um, 
I was kind of like born into a small town, where, but uh, we always had like a green kind of like greenery around with like a small stream. And uh, so I was like roaming there like most of my time with my dog. However, then I, uh, after age of uh, 12, 13, I started to spend um, uh, my weekends and summers and basically all the holidays in kind of like countryside. Like, um, and well, not really my grandpa grandparents, but they were family friends, so they owned the forest. And um, since I was a dreamer from even like from a very young age, and I just like I used to wander around the woods with my dogs, along the streams, uh, along the rivers, um, uh, along the paths, and inside the woods. So basically, I just spent a lot of time in in the woods. Basically, um, yes. However, then <laughs> I uh, moved to Riga, and of course, uh, the capital of Latvia, and uh, it kind of. Um, kind of stayed out of my life a bit but however I have always felt very strongly towards nature and uh, these years I just like feel that this that it offers me more harmony and more peace to to my soul rather than the really hectic city environment yeah I mean as as you've already said so far in this podcast I guess it's it's about balance you yes know? It's, yes it's like if you, you know, if you spend too much time in a city, you completely lose touch with sanity and oxygen and nature. And if you spend too much time in nature, at least this is my experience, you, I go completely insane. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think I, I think I'm the kind of person that could, that, uh, that who could um, actually spend a lot of time, like, in kind of, like, kind of solitary, like, uh, environment of, <laughs> people people they're everywhere no but but to be honest you know it's not only that that like of course forests because in latvia there are like amazing forests and of course oh my god how did i forget to say this you know like mushroom picking in the forest you know <laughs> is a national sport it's so not it is it's not well it's oh considered god. to be because you know it gives you like a opportunity to roam through the forests uh, like for hours and pick up the mushrooms you know it's it's a joy and then you kind of like go home and like prepare these for winter so but hang on how do you know which <laughs> mushrooms are good mushrooms that is like that is a knowledge that is passed on like you're joking yes my mom show like my mom and like um grandma they showed me which which uh, which which uh, mushrooms are good and which are not good so yeah it's and like it's a, passed on is this a nation this is a nationwide thing this yes. passing wow yes. so generations of latvians yes. have knowledge passed down to them about which mushrooms Wow. Yes. Okay. Besides, uh, especially if you live on the countryside, you usually have like knowledge about special places and you keep them secret. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting, actually, because um, I, I, Western culture in general, I mean, I think, no, not Western culture, English culture. When we're kids, a lot of us read this book called The Adventures of Baba, who's like this elephant and uh, he's, he's born in some sort of elephant royal family. And one of the things that happens is that his, his dad, the, the, the previous king, dies from eating a bad mushroom. And so there's a whole generation of English-speaking kids who grow up completely terrified of which mushrooms are or are not good mushrooms. So that's, that information is very valuable information that we should all be taking advantage of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's very good to know. I'm, 
I'm keeping that in mind next time I talk to other <laughs> Latvians. Um, but you, you left and you came to Scotland where you've yes. spent a lot of the last sort of 10 years. When you eventually moved to Scotland, was the Scottish nature and natural landscapes and everything that you see when you look at pictures of Scotland, was that part of your decision to move there? Uh, no, not at all. I will be completely honest and I will say that I didn't even know where Edinburgh was because I moved to Edinburgh. I was like, what is Scotland? We we actually call like, you know, like it's England because that's how we are like presented and Scotland is something, something not really known possibly. <laughs> so no, it was just, um, just a chance and uh, which I, and kind of like a quick decision to see and go and like what, to go and see what happens and like I was extremely amazed of course Edinburgh is extremely beautiful city however what I love the most is uh, where the V hidden pass and of course like the Arthur seat you know and like all the beautiful nature within the city within walking distances and that was actually like even now when I live in Glasgow and I love Glasgow as well I always miss Edinburgh oh, nature you cross the divide <laughs> No, no, I can see beauty in in everything, in every place. And that is, and we appreciate you having that trait, because screw Glasgow. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's interesting because I, I moved up to Edinburgh in sort of September, well, moved back, having lived here a long time ago previously. And a lot of people who lived in London asked me, oh, so what's living in Edinburgh like in comparison to, you know, living in London or, or living down south? And one of the things I said is, well, you can be in the city centre going about yourself, you can be walking down Prince's Street and you can see that the, the Edinburgh Castle, which is like the, you know, the old town city centre, is basically built on this massive rock. You can see that there is an extinct volcano from North Bridge. You can <laughs> look, you can be on George Street sort of looking north and see the Firth and see the other side of the Firth and you know even if you get even vaguely outside of Edinburgh even if you're in like say Morningside for example you can still see the surrounding Pentland Hills and so nature in a way and again I can't speak as much for Glasgow because I haven't spent as much time in Glasgow but certainly from an Edinburgh perspective nature is very much a part of of life whether you know you you do or do not like nature you can't get away with not interacting with it in some way or another. Yeah, I I totally agree. And that is the thing I do miss in Glasgow. Although, you know, even in Glasgow, in certain areas, there are ways how to find some wildness uh, if you are willing to spend some time and and sweat a bit, like uh, cycling or just walking. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, if you you really want, you can always find a bit. But yes, I agree. Uh, In Edinburgh, it is like, it is very nature and like um, natural kind of like uh, environments are really big part of the city. There are hills around Glasgow, aren't there? Or am I completely making that up? Well... I certainly know that you can go from Glasgow, you can go over a bridge somewhere and you can be near Loch Lomond and just abject, surreal like isolated nature very very quickly i haven't actually like explored a lot but i know people like uh, cycle and like go hiking and it's like it's not that far if you are willing as i said if you are willing to put some effort to get there 
so I haven't really explored it yet, you know, but I have found a forest, so that, I'm that's, happy with But that. that's the beauty of Scotland, that, you know, there's, there's always things to discover more of. And fun fact for anybody uh, listening who likes Finn's fun facts on this podcast, um, Scotland was most recently voted the most beautiful country in the world by some organisation who I can't remember. But that's worth keeping in mind when you, you know, think about where you want to go travel. Come up here. We like, we like having people up here. It's fun. It's a bit cold, but if you come in summer, it's not so bad. Um... What brought you to Daljarok for the first time, and what was that like going there? So I I had no idea uh, about this place or what happens here or the people who go there. However, I um, I met a guy uh, and he said, "Oh, I'm going to celebrate summer solstice uh, in the woods," and I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> I would like to go as well, because for me it was uh, um, celebrating the cycles of nature in the forest seemed like the best way to, how to like spend uh, this this time of the year, kind of like you know and be in the nature. So to me it was like wow, I really I really want to go there. Then of course I thought, but I don't know anyone there, and and what will I do there, <laughs> you know? And of course as as, as always. Uh, doubts creeping up but yes I just I went there and like it was fantastic experience um, I'm not even I'm not even sure why but uh, when I arrived and I went into the forest um, like it felt like home and it felt beautiful and it's it's very um, it's very um, varied in a sense there are bits of oak grow and bits of um, kind of like spruces which are kind of um, um, they're pretty trees. Well, they are planted uh, in like straight lines, so it's not really like a forest uh, that that is uh, natural. But <laughs> are you getting purists about your forest now? Well, if the trees are planted in a straight line, that is not a proper forest. Well, it's not a wild forest. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. No, that's so, fair. so yes, so I actually and the people I met there were like we kind like were also like interested in kind of like like caring about nature and like being closer to it so yeah it was great experience and what was what did you what did you actually do on the summer solstice when you went well i wandered all around a lot alone <laughs> there wasn't any was there any sort of specific way of celebrating yeah of course the big bonfire oh, and okay. like kind of well also like um what is uh, particular about these forests uh, is that uh, people live there uh, or at least uh, they plan to live there in a the long term because it's still in the process but uh, they are uh, actually making um kind of like parties there and events so there was music and uh, there was food and uh, there was kind of like big bon big bonfire and uh, yeah, so it's kind of like it's a it's a proper party. Yeah, with wow. a music and uh, you know if it rains, they actually have like uh, like protect, they are protected from rain as well. And yeah, so it's kind of like event. Yeah, no, it's In properly organized. <laughs> well, yes. I I will talk about this probably on a future episode if we get it wrong. But my former um, landlady 
she spent a lot of time in Glastonbury, where they are very big on their summer solstice celebrating. So much so that apparently in Glastonbury their mayor is a druid, and every time the summer solstice come around, the whole town walks up to this great big massive hill, goes up it, and like something to do with sunset. I can't quite remember. We will talk more about it on a later episode, but goes to show you how seriously the summer solstice gets taken here, which is, you know, special. Um, you talk about the people that are there. There's clearly a sort of community that exists there and people who've been coming back for many years. What's that community, what's that community like? Who are the types of people that make up that community? Tell us about the people there. Well, um, I'm actually quite new, um, like there probably like last summer was the first time I visited and I have visited three times. So, um, and of course for me it takes some time to get uh, used to people and you know, have a like a nice chat and um, with, uh, with meaning. So, um, but basically like uh, the woods are owned uh, by, um, by, uh, by tree surgeon Andy and uh, he is uh, he is like the heart and head of the community so he, at the moment he permanently lives there as well and uh, i actually people people who like to work um, with their hands uh, like i know like another my friend asha she's uh, she she has her own gardening business in glasgow as well and uh, she often goes there as well and uh, basically people are uh, starting to build kind of like um, either A-frames or, uh, or planning to build like kind of huts to kind of like with proper kind of like living quarters there in the woods as well. So uh, yeah, they, because they want to live in the forest because, because city is quite hard. And so, so are a lot of them people who have lived in the city and have consequently decided, no, that wasn't what I wanted, or are they people who... I think there are uh, different kinds of people, because uh, um, some people are just, you know, never had actually interacted with a forest and nature, like, kind of on a deeper level. And uh, then there are those who are, like, uh, for whom passion is, like, gardening and things like that, because... Um, a plan is to, to make a vegetable garden with like uh, fruit trees and uh, and kind of bushes and you make it sustainable so it kind of like uh, you can um, uh, survive there as well so to speak um, so yeah I think it kind of like brings together people who just who want to like collaborate and like you know live collectively like and like uh, live live in harmony with the nature and kind of like and yeah be sustainable and by that sort of collective living spirit do you grow your own food on the in that community like like what when we talk about collective living what specifically are the things that each of you do for each other is it the sort of thing where people will take different roles with I don't know, setting up or maintaining different bits of that community, or is well, it very much more abstract and random? Uh, well, to be honest, um, like you probably should have like a podcast with Andy <laughs> 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 because he will tell you all about this because uh, he know he is doing this and he, he has a master plan as well. 
um, but in a sense, uh, for example, like um, I asked, can I just like go and like stay there? And uh, basically what I should give in return, like for staying there is uh, one hour a day of work that I like physical work or something I'm good at, you know, um, um, and kind of like helping like in the Vista Forestry. I mean, it's amazing to hear about the diversity of people that seem to that seem to end up there, and the different the different people who, for some reason or another, have been attracted to to Andy and to this project and to and to this forest. It's a private forest, is that is that right? Yes, it is. But it's it's specifically dedicated to this community that all of you have sort of come together to form. Well, I kind of think uh, like the main reason behind it is to welcome those um, who would like to come and with their ideas, what they would like to do there, what what, what, what are the possi- uh, possibilities in the forest and uh, like being kind of like in harmony, I guess, with the environment where you live, being responsible for it. So Yeah, that, that was literally just what I was about to say about the sense of collective responsibility in that <clears throat> it doesn't specifically belong to one person. It it belongs to to everybody to to maintain and keep good. Yeah, and, and plus, as we know, like each of us as persons, we have our own strengths and uh, our kind of like the the things we can like uh, contribute to this kind of uh, sit- uh, living situation or kind of like project. So, um, and as you very well know that uh, that is how everything works, that many people, many different people come together and make amazing things happen. Yeah, because it's all better if we all work together. Well, also it's, uh, it's, um, it's also about skill sharing. For example, like I have spent uh, plenty of time in the forest and uh, in the farm and but I can't say like I have like specific knowledge about like how to do this or how to do that. But also like, for example, if I go and help, like I like, like somebody can teach me how to do these things and in the future I will know and I can actually like teach these things as well, like further. Mm. So, Yeah. It's about people not being selfish and saying this is what we can all do and this is what we can share with each other. Yes, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're getting into the deep stuff now. In 2009, the neighbouring Galloway Forest Park was designated Dark Sky Park status, which, for those of you not so clear on different status of forests, means that artificial light pollution around the area is restricted. Um, Do you think that restricting infrastructure around forests is something that should be done more and should be made more important? I think here again, uh, important uh, aspect is the balance. Because, uh, for example, uh, in the way in Daljorok, um, how it is, it's like living integrated within the forest, like living together with forest. Uh, however, at some points, in some forests, I think it should be like light, light pollution should be restricted uh, because um, maybe well, I don't know how many people actually nowadays, but maybe someone would go, would like to go and see like uh, like in the dark as well, like what's happening. Like I, I am, as I say, well, I'm not really like that knowledgeable about these kind of things. It's more more kind of like what what in me is like kind of like love and admiration. Yes. So, but yeah, I think balance certainly 
Absolutely, and it's just... I mean, I, I'm constantly asking myself this question about, about nature in general, and we'll, we'll come on to this in a sec, but nature is this very special, very important thing. Our planet is this thing that we have to take care of, that we have to maintain, particularly with a country like Scotland that has so many beautiful bits of landscape and bits of scenery. And yet, at the same time, you want people to see it so that they can get to the point where they appreciate it. And, and Arthur's Seat is actually one of these places where that battle is, is constantly under uh, in question because Arthur's Seat is one of those places where it's very easy to, to go up it, it's very easy to fall in love with it, it's very easy to see why it's such a special thing. And to have a major European city in which one of the things that you can do is go up a volcano is, you know, crazy when you think about it. And yet, at the same time, when I last went Arthur's, up Arthur's Seat, which was sort of September, I remember thinking, huh, there are now a lot of different paths. There are now a lot of different feet that are treading mm-hmm. on this mountain. And, you know, people leaving... Bit, well, to be fair, with Arthur's Seat, it's not quite so bad. But people, you know, will leave bits of uh, rubbish in different places. And, you know, it's all about balance, which has kind of been the theme of the podcast in general. But... I don't know. I'm I'm still questioning the extent to which these things should be opened up and everybody should have access to them versus um, them being preserved for, for the future. Well, um, it's more about um, being responsible, like, you know, from, like, yourself being responsible towards this amazing, beautiful uh, landscape, wherever it is and whatever it is. Like, it probably just... Um, Yes, it's 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 personal, I think, <laughs> because whenever I go, like it's even not even on the street, I don't want to like like throw rubbish down because you know it's someone has to pick it up, and also like you know why should you like make a mess where you like to walk? So, in that sense, I completely agree. But I think the interesting thing here is that obviously not everybody has the same perspective that we do, and not everyone has the same duty of care but we, we can share our perspective and like uh, and maybe someone will think yes maybe she's right <laughs> we can no absolutely we can and and we can we can convince people and you know we can keep fighting the good fight and this podcast will go out and hopefully it will give listeners a certain appreciation for their local and natural environments that they may not have but in a way i still think it's not it's not entirely enough. Um, a good example of this is I was in I was in Austria in sort of October, and while I was passing through Vienna, I was couch surfing with this couple, who are very big eco activists. They're very clear on, you know, the earth is dying. We need to take care of it. Steps need to be put in place that make sure that we can protect the earth. And they were very big on this. They were vegan. They never travelled. Uh, short haul by plane. This was their this was their philosophy on that, and I spoke to them and I was like, okay, let's let's play a game here. Let's uh, create a situation in which you are the uh, leading political party in Vienna, and you have all the power you possibly can to do absolutely whatever you want. And we ran through the situation and. 
the you know Vienna got turned into this big green city with urban gardens everywhere. Cars got completely banned from the city, and then we took the example even further, and we saw other European cities being inspired by that and and getting on board with it, and the European Union recognizing this as something. And I we we pushed the most idealistic solution for how this could all end, and at the end of it, I asked, so is that enough to to save the Earth? And they said. No. And they said no because ultimately at the end of the day, even if you do all of that, the likelihood that you're going to convince the Americans and the Chinese to stop using as much pollution as they are is, is close to none, particularly with a certain Mr. Trump in the, in the American presidency. And so that in a way, I realised that was a sort of long-winded story and we didn't actually talk about Scottish Forest there, but I find it a very interesting metaphor for caring for the environment in general because you and me can do absolutely everything we can to protect forests like Daljarok, but at the end of the day, what more needs to be done in order to ensure that our children have the ability to see those forests and that people who don't have the same perspectives as us are not the people who eventually destroy these local environments. Well, to be honest, uh, I don't have an answer for that to you. <laughs> however, however, uh, change always starts on a personal level. Um, and for example, um, like like Daljorok is like, um, it's a thing like I have seen for the first time because like what Andy tries to achieve is like uh, not to be completely isolated uh, like a hut in a forest with like no toilet and no electricity and no nothing because uh, nowadays technology if you use technology smart it can allow you like to live comfortably and for example for me it's like um, uh, what he t is trying to do is uh, is like an, an example that you can live differently and comfortably and like like in harmony with nature and like I think that is admirable and I would like people to know about it and to go and see and, and talk with him and see it's possible because for example I imagine if you live in a city and I tell you oh I'm gonna move to the forest and they they they, they think of like of just a small hut in like in like in the middle of That's nowhere totally with no what I imagined when you told me but no 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 the thing is like now and I had a chat with Andy like this this winter solstice and um, he was talking and I was like I was like surprised amazed uh, and Yes, like it's you know you don't have to live in isol in complete isolation. So and as a collective, you know, like there are many many ways how to um, overcome like some situations or problems and things like that. Mm. was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and he was saying that he had uh, he'd cut he'd cut down on me was the way that he specifically said it and at the time I asked uh, okay is this you know for environmental reasons is this for you know health reasons and he said to me that the thing is Finn 
I've, I'm not a vegetarian, you know, I'm not vegan. I haven't said I will never eat meat ever again. I've just noted that this is what the effects are of meat. And I've subsequently gone and said, well, if I, rather than say, right, I'm going to stop it entirely now. If I say, well, maybe I'll have it this many times per week and then start reducing that, that it all of a sudden becomes easier and I guess it's the same with anything like this it's not like you're going straight to the point in which it's like you know you're just there with your twigs <laughs> you know trying to build a shelter <laughs> but that there is a balance you know as we've said there is a balance between having infrastructure around you that means you know you're you're safe and you're connected to the rest of the world but also um, that you are in harmony with all of this stuff that we've been talking about. And it seems like Andy and people like Andy who are setting up similar communities have gotten that balance very, very well, which is exciting. It is. <laughs> um, as we've mentioned a lot, well, as we mentioned a lot at the beginning, you are an artist. Um, to what extent are for forests and nature more generally influential on the work that you do? Well, um, me and art, to me, it's complicated. Um, I kind of consider myself to be a visual philosopher more than, a, more than artist. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so um, at the moment, uh, like I study, I'm in my final year of, uh, of Glasgow School of Art, painting and printmaking. And well, my theme is unity, reality and the complexity, like, um, of the different parts that make the whole. And um, I, I don't work at the moment with nature as such um, in my studio practice. However, I consider like um, the natural forces and uh, like as a part that creates our lived experience. Um, yeah, in that sense. However, um, once I'm finishing, I have plans um, to see what is possible, um, what kind of uh, possibilities are there for residencies in the forest, for creative residencies, for filmmaking, photography, art, uh, painting, and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, when you talk about different things coming together to make up the whole, isn't that what nature is? Well... Kind of. W yes, but uh, the thing is... Um, what I was thinking, uh, I live in, most time I live in a city, so city is my immediate environment, so it's very influential in my, um, how I perceive things and my perspective, and uh, it's always to me city and na city and natural environment has uh, always been kind of like um, contrasting, and I'm trying to find the way, um, how they link together, but however, my, my friend, uh, a friend said once uh, that he was talking with his kid and uh, like um, the kid said that city is not nature, but he said uh, to his kid, um, birds build nests from twigs. Uh, it's nature. Yes, it's nature. Uh, humans building, uh, building kind of like houses. Is it not nature? So basically, in a sense, you are right, uh, but... Yeah, it's it's still. I think I still have to like think more about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to go full Lion King in this conversation, but 
if you look at what the circle of life is considered, which, you know, I appreciate is a fun Disney song, but it's looking at effectively what an ecosystem is in the very scientific sense of the world and saying, right, well, you know, plants, the sun shines and plants grow and then herbivores go and eat those plants. Say, I don't know, uh, a squirrel goes and eats a nut, for example. And then something slightly larger comes along and eats that squirrel eventually and then something slightly larger will come along and eat that slightly larger than a squirrel animal i don't know i don't know what eats squirrels <laughs> wolves i don't know <laughs> and then and then eventually but then eventually you'll get to whatever the biggest creature is say a bear for example i don't know i'm not speaking of, i'm speaking about a theoretical natural environment here but that animal then dies and the bacteria decomposes the body and the nutrients and the marrow from that decomposed body go back into the ground, which then in turn feed the plants that grow. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, cities are like that specifically, but in a way, what I'm saying is that you're talking about how in your work, it's about different parts and how different parts make up the whole. Mm -hmm. If you took one element away from that ecosystem that I just described, the whole thing would collapse because suddenly there wouldn't be the thing for one of the other things to eat. And then at that point, the whole system collapses. Now, cities are a slightly less natural version of that, but I think I see the bird comparison very well in that, you know, there is a there is a man, you know, cities are effectively systems, whether that's a metro system, whether that's a, you know, system of trade regulations, whether that's a system of welfare, you know, it's just all about how we organize people so they can live their lives. And also like, uh, whatever we uh, make and know, we learn from nature, we learn from observing nature. So, but yeah, as I like what I what I was talking about was quite interesting to me because before that um, I didn't think about it like that and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> no I like to I like to see different points of view on on these kind of things but it, it is very complex and I think I think I I need less complexity <laughs> <laughs> but you're a visual philosopher isn't this what you do well, <laughs> I philosophize at my level, Finn. Ah, <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay, we're going back off the deep stuff and back onto the light stuff now. Um, this is the question where when I sent it to you the first time, you kind of looked at me like, really? So I apologize in advance. Um, animals, trees, forest ecosystems in general are very clearly alive, which is, by the way, a big important thing to say, because back in 2016, when the uh, UK government were ratifying which laws they were going to keep from the European Union after Brexit eventually happened, one of the big controversial ones was one that was around, uh, are animals considered alive? And that was something that, yeah, we, we joke now, but that was something where members of the UK government actually sat and voted and many of them said no. So it's something oh that we God. must, it's oh something we God. must state here. Animals, oh. the trees and forest ecosystems are very clearly alive, um, but may not communicate with humans and with other species in traditional ways. 
what do you think they would say if they could say something on Passport People to people who visited the community in general? Do you think that's something you can say? What's your perspective on that? Well, I think that planet Earth is clearly suffering and I think many people can feel it and and uh, I think that is also like this 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 distress that is happening on the surface and below the surface of the planet Earth is actually like is coming out into the into the plant life and into the animals and into everything. I, I think that I don't know if they would say anything. Um, at least I do not know. <laughs> however, um, however, we clearly need to do the best we can to 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 ease the suffering in any way we can. So and you know, even if it's just me, you know, just talking with you about like how beautiful the forests are and how beautiful the nature is, and uh, and. For me, as an artist, like to see, like um, I visited in winter as well, and to see how beautiful, like, uh, like the forests look, and like, and what colors, and like, you know, like in different times of weather, it's it's amazing. And you know, if I can, like, intrigue at least one person to go and see, and like, uh, to to see it and appreciate it, I think it's worth it. This, this may sound like an obvious question, but for the sake of, say, a listener who maybe isn't particularly keen about the idea of going into nature and skipping through forests, what, in your opinion, is so beautiful about forests like Dajar Rock? Well, to me, forests are always special. However, for uh, for uh, for someone who is uh, more city-based, they throw amazing parties. <laughs> <laughs> they have a like amazing sound system, uh, amazing people, amazing atmosphere. Did not see that coming. <laughs> Plus, you know, like um, there might be like. Um, artist residencies like from from this summer onwards so there might be multimedia like um, interactive exhibitions and events where like many creative people like come together and like create something and then enjoy it and uh, together with the forest and nature so basically I can understand that not many people will want to like wander around the forest alone, <laughs> but no, no, there are there are many many possibilities apart from it, uh, in especially in Daljorok. So yes. And now, so that I can ask the same question, but for you, what to you is beautiful about forests? What's the thing that you look at and you go, wow, when you're in a forest? Because the forest has a soul of its own. Like uh, yes, it's just like it's the feeling. It's the, it's uh, like their independence. Like um, they are, they are there regardless of me. They are they are there. They are like full environments of like with with many systems and with many creatures. And it's a home. It's a for for it's it's a a live environment that is like just amazing. Thank you. I think, I think that's a pretty good answer to that. Um, which brings me on to what happens next, as in, what does the future hold for Forests in Scotland, for Jaljarok? What, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think people will start appreciating this more? Are you hopeful that the future is, is bright for our appreciation of these forests? Or 
do you think realistically as the world moves forward and as capitalism takes hold that these forests will become less and less appreciated well luckily i live in scotland (laughs) (laughs) and scotland is amazing because in scotland i see future for forests and i see future for um for people wanting to live like alongside the forest and like work with the forest and like any other uh, natural um, environments, but uh, but when we think about uh, more worldwide, um, it's very it's very it's very sad sight because of course like the big corporations uh, care only about the profits and not really the forests. Even if they, even if, even if it, if they, even if the forests gives us, give us oxygen and and things like that, so um, I don't know. Well, only the only thing I can do is hope for the best, and uh, and kind of and maybe what I would like to do is bringing a little bit of forest in the city, some some something familiar, don't you think? <laughs> So, I don't know, like, pr- probably just, like, show people, you know, that there are there are different ways how to be, because sometimes people just don't know, and all they need is a spark or inspiration. It's interesting, actually, because I think from what we've said in this conversation, we've come towards one very specific conclusion, which is that our appreciation for the forest and for nature is actually something that's very dependent on on us as humans and the more that we say this is something that it's important to us the more that it will be protected and the more that people will stand up and say this is something we need whereas if the opposite happens it's very unlikely to see that they are something that will be you know preserved and cared for <clears throat> Sorry, you are, I don't you know are, if that you was are Yeah, that, that that was that was that was depressing. That was depressing. However, like I will tell you because I like uh, some years ago I was uh, doing research, but uh, just even just a picture of natural environment of greenery when you look at it, it actually like positively influences your brain and your Ooh. already how you feel, and spending even like. Um, like in actual nature like it's actually like improves your well-being like like a lot and there is actually like sorry i don't i don't remember the facts but there is <laughs> actual research which i probably should revisit <laughs> um uh, that it's it's good for you to be in the nature it's good for you to see the nature it's good for your brain your well-being your everything so uh so yeah if it's like if you don't like the forest you know it's actually good for you anyway <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, so I actually, take that. <laughs> I actually like uh, heard there was um, kind of like in which country, probably somewhere in somewhere in 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 the northern countries, they actually are doing like forest bathing. When people pay money, they just go in in the forest, have a bath, and like enjoy, like you know, Ooh, that and and, and people people actually are paying money for it, and and people are starting to appreciate it, you know. It's it's more about like popular popularizing these kind of things as well. So the don't be that is, depressive. Hey, <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying the power is with us, which is you know. It a is. Rare thing. It is. Have you been in city for too long now? <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. I I like I like nature and I like forests and I I appreciate it as much as other people. I I think from my perspective, I get worried about all the stuff that I've said earlier in this conversation, that 
no matter how much I can care for it, it's it doesn't have a bearing on how much other people care for it. But but if you if you just think about like like how bad the situation looks, uh, you just gonna lose all the joy that you can, you know. Even even if it's if, even if it like it's like the worst thing is gonna happen, you know. I better enjoy it now. <laughs> as yeah, well, I think. As with anything, I I appreciate things where we we as people have responsibility to take care of it and we do because i think responsibility is what helps people grow and evolve as people it's like when you're when you're a kid you don't have any responsibility and it's like you can you know just do whatever you want really and then when you become an adult suddenly you do have responsibilities and again those responsibilities are combined with the power that you get and it's a question about whether you use both of those things responsibly and actually get to the point where you protect what needs to be protected. And again, I'm also happy that I live in Scotland because I think we will win that fight in Scotland. You know, whether that happens in other places is, you know, for other for other people and other communities. And I also don't want to feel like I'm being too sort of Western about this because I also know that there are many different environments in which uh, the natural landscape and, you know, taking resources from that natural landscape is what keeps that community going so it's you know it's very complicated and it's not black and white and I just when it comes to this conversation I just trust in individuals to be able to say this is what matters to us and this is what we will care for and to not turn our noses up at people who are different but to actually say this is our perspective, this is where you're coming from, and we will listen to people who don't have the same opinion and we will have these conversations. Because ultimately it's having the conversations that's what inspires positive transformation. Yes. Sorry, that went a bit ranty there. No, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And here we are. Here we are, exactly. <laughs> Um, which brings me to the final question, which is if someone were to come to Dal Yarok and were to have the ultimate experience of what it is like to be there and get what they are supposed to get from that experience, what would be the thing for them to do there? Probably come uh, to to the big summer solstice party because it's getting increasingly more and more pop popular with up to 80, 100 people being there. Wow, that is a lot of people. Yes, well... But, you know, it's it's a party, so it's, it's you know, <laughs> but also I'm sure, like, I'm sure there will be happening multimedia events and, like, kind of, like, creative things happening. I think, yes, I think for, for introduction, um, I think kind of, like, uh, one of these events would be something interesting and then you can also, like, um, like learn more and then kind of, like, uh, and then see, maybe then... Come, come, come more. Do some work. Yeah. Appreciate the community and then appreciate the forest around it. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think it goes both like hand in hand. So yeah, because the community is also important there. Okay, summer solstice is where it's at. Good yeah. to know. Good because, to know. Because it's summer. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's warm. Friendly, yes. Yes. <laughs> for yes. Scotland. So. <laughs> 
No, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> hey, I think one for Scotland is quite good. You know, we reach almost 20 degrees. It gets exciting. <laughs> well, no uh, swimming. No swimming, yes. Um, Iva, thank you so much for coming in and having this conversation with us. Where can people find out more about you? This is your opportunity to plug, basically, if you have anything to plug. Well, just contact Finn. He will guide you. <laughs> contact Finn. <laughs> uh, fine. Okay, fine. You know what? You want to be that way, let's do it. <laughs> if you want to find out more about Iva's work uh, or about Dalyarok, please uh, send us an email at finn at islandlifeproductions.com and we'll forward you on all the relevant information. Similarly, um, if you have enjoyed this episode or enjoyed any of the other episodes or have any constructive feedback or any comments or anything you want to say uh, about the podcast and the episode you've heard, uh, please also send an email to finn at islandlifeproductions.com or you can rate us and review us on all the various different podcasting platforms, your iTunes, your Spotify, your Deezers, your Google Podcasts, <laughs> insert whatever you, you listen to this uh, on. Uh, Iva, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank um, you for chat. That has that has been season one of Passport People. We really hope that you've enjoyed this and uh, that's about it from us. Or is it? <laughs> My passion has always been about sustainability in the planet. Like ever since I was little, I was like, right, I'm here to help Mother Earth. Like I've known that since I was a very small child, but I was always very creative. Um, I danced, I was in plays, I played in an all-girl punk rock band when I was 15. No. I work with various different age ranges, uh, from 8 to 18s to 11 to 14s to my new group, the 12 to 16s. It really changes your perspective when you consider what you did up to 18 and then what you did from 18. Yeah, it does. It really messes with you. I have a bit of a fascination with graveyards at the moment. I love just, I know it sounds a bit bit, bit grim, um, but I, I like walking around graveyards and I like looking at graves, uh, gravestones and like seeing who, who this person was. Season two of Passport People will be back after a very short break for us to sort of get our sanity back and we will have more conversations to bring you from people from a diverse range of cultural and professional backgrounds, learning more about the people and the places that matter to them. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Passport People. The music was by Harry Bongo and the cover art was by Maya Pires. Learn more about us by visiting our Island Life Productions Facebook page or by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com.